my life, but God, you see it necessary to make me become more like you. Lord, I thank you that you're moving in this place as I speak. Lord, you're already touching hearts. You're already touching minds. Lord, you're already doing what we've asked you to do. We've asked you to move on our hearts and tell us what we need. Lord, not just what we need in us, but tell us what we need to do for us. God, I pray that you'll, Lord, use your word now. Your word is sharp. Lord, your word is specific. Your word will go where nobody else can go. God, everybody that walks through that door, they may look real good on the outside. God, it's the inside that matters. Don't matter how churchy we look on the outside, God, you're looking way beyond the surface and you're looking at the heart. God, I pray right now that you'll examine every heart, including my own. As you are bringing the word this morning, I pray that we'll all be honest. God, it ain't going to do a bit of good unless we are honest with ourselves and with you. And God, we let the Word do what it's setting out to do. And God, we'll praise your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, say amen. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to 1 John chapter number 1. While you're turning, I want to quote a verse. Revelation 4, verse 11, what I quoted a while ago, says that he's worthy of praise and honor and glory. He said, the Bible says, because thou hast created all things. That includes me and you. It says, thou hast created all things. And then it says this, for thy pleasure they are and were created. Then if you go back in the book of Genesis, you'll find that God had fellowship with man in the garden. And according to Revelation 4 verse 11, he was tickled about it. Y'all not getting it. What does that mean? That means that God likes to hang out with you. He made you for the purpose of hanging out with you. He made Adam and Eve there. We know the ultimate purpose is to bring glory and honor to Him. But a a secondary purpose is for Him and you to have sweet fellowship. The last three weeks we've been preaching on fellowship. The first week we talked about what God gave us to promote fellowship. Not just with him, but with each other. How many of you know God compares the church to a family? He compares, listen, uh, this church to the bride of Christ. And one of the reasons of getting married is to have some sweet fellowship. I need a witness. I love being married. I love my wife. I love our fellowship. And, And listen, God made us to have fellowship with him. And, and the Bible says that he gave us uh, a Christ to bring fellowship. Uh, he gave us a church to promote fellowship. We could gather together. We could get together in one mind and one accord and enjoy each other's fellowship. Then he gave us a cause to rally around and fellowship. Listen, not only did we see that the first week, then the second week we talked about the benefits of fellowship and what we get out of it, what it does for us. We went back to Ecclesiastes where the Bible said two are better than one when it comes to our work and our weaknesses and our warfare. Say amen. 
when it comes to our worship. I love praising God by myself, but boy, when you get about 400 of us in here giving God glory, son, I love that. Man, two are better than one. We, we, have, we have benefits when it comes to fellowship. But then, then today, I want to I talk about uh, uh, just a couple things that, that's good. I'm talking about it's gooder than good. When, when, when God was giving it to me last night, I said, Lord, please don't tell me. You're going to have to make me wait all night long to tell somebody about this. It's good. I want you to stand to your feet, if you will, First John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, and I'll read just as fast as I can. If you'll listen fast, I promise you I can preach fast. Amen. That which was from the beginning, we're in 1 John chapter number 1. If you're in the gospel of John, you're way away from where you need to be. You just need to listen and look at the screens. Amen. We're in the 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, the latter uh, letters in the back of your Bible, almost to Revelation. But here we have 1 John 1, verse 1, that which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. This is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. Listen, the Apostle John is saying, we saw him, we heard him, we touched him. He is the real deal. And we're telling you this, we're witnessing to this. Verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye may also have with us, and truly our is with the Father, and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be... How many of y'all have had a good time already this morning? That your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of Him, and declare unto you. We need to get a good old-fashioned dose of verse number 5. Every born-again believer, every single child of God needs to get a clear vision of this, that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. What's that saying? If you're not right up this way, you ain't going to be right this way. Don't blame your brother, don't blame your sister, don't blame the church, don't blame the movement, don't blame the Baptists, don't blame the Pentecostals. If you can't get along with nobody, you need to blame yourself, you need to get right with God, and I promise you, you'll be able to get right with somebody else. It says if we, have, if we are walking in the light, as He is in the light, boy, we'll have fellowship one with another, we'll have fellowship with God. It says in, it says in verse number 7, And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sins. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar. We don't want to do that. We make Him a liar and His word is not in us. Verse 1, chapter 2. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have, mm, I feel it already. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, say amen. Lord, help us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Let's get started. Number one, we're talking about fellowship. 
Bo, I feel it. Do you feel it, Bo? Fellowship. We have been focusing on fellowship. We have, our church has gotten to a size that you just can't do what you can do when you have about 30 people, amen? Uh, so we're trying to do things to encourage fellowship and, and encourage these folks over here to get to know these folks over here and these folks over here to get to know these folks over here. And so we're doing added extra things like the dinners after church for the membership and, and, and breaking it down into groups like we're doing. And, and we've been preaching on it because it's so important that we understand how important fellowship is. You cannot be all that God wants you to be, being a Lone Ranger Christian. You cannot run around and say, I don't need nobody. I can be a good Christian by myself. You are a liar and the truth is not in you according to God's holy word. He said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. He said, you need to get together. You need to hang out together. Birds of a feather will flock together. Say amen. Listen, we need fellowship. We need it. We need it. We need it. Well, there is some issues about fellowship today I want to share with you. Uh, They begin to tell others who Jesus was. Others begin to believe who Jesus was. They begin to get saved and trust, and they started fellowships here and there in this town and that town and that town. They begin to come together. But then, as he said in this letter, he said, we want, we want fellowship one with another. We want you to fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father. But there's a critical ingredient you need to understand. When it comes to fellowship, there's some things that you need to understand, and that's what he gives us in the latter part of chapter number 1, and the early part of chapter number 2. Everybody, everybody knows a lot of people that go to church. Everybody knows it. And just because you come in here with a tie on today don't mean you're going to act like the Apostle Paul tomorrow. It don't take anybody to come to a place and play a role. But if you're going to have fellowship. Now you can come and sit in a chair. You can come and even sing the songs. But I guarantee you start rubbing elbows just a little while and you're not walking right. Woo! There's going to be some friction. And then you know what they go to saying? Well, I tell you what, them people ain't friendly. Them people ain't loving. Well, I don't know why I can't feel comfortable around them. I'll tell you why. Because darkness and light don't go together. This then is the message which we have heard of him, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Listen, the very essence of light is the absence of darkness and the essence of darkness is the absence of light. You can't have one and the other together in the same place. When light comes, darkness has got to go. And when people come in and start playing the role, they look good and everybody thinks everything's okay. But I'm here to tell you, I guarantee you, when that preacher starts preaching out of that spotlight of God's Word and starts shining the spotlight on their life, son, they're going to run like roaches. Don't even act like y'all ain't never had roaches. Come on now. Never had roaches. Yeah, okay, whatever. You know how? Walk in the kitchen, flip on the light, vroom! Mutual of Omaha. I mean, the animal kingdom goes everywhere. You know why? They don't like the light. And they'll start talking bad about you. They'll start talking bad about the preacher. They'll start talking bad about the church. 
But that ain't what I really came to say. But I said it anyhow. Amen. Number one, fellowship. I want you to see the adversary of fellowship. The adversary, if you're writing this down, the adversary that interferes. God made us to fellowship with him. God made us to walk and talk and have a relationship with him. And and God made us to have a relationship with one another. But there is an adversary, there is an enemy that interferes with this relationship. Just comes in the middle of things and messes things up. I love walking with God. I love walking with God's people. And it just bothers me when the devil brings something. And the devil's not the adversary, by the way. And I'll get to that in just a second. But I hate it when something gets in between our fellowship. I love my wife. I pray she feels the same way. Amen? I love it when we're getting along. I love it when things are great. I love it when she's happy with me. I do. I really do. But you know what? It's not always that way. Now, y'all might as well just reach up there, grab your halo, and put it in your pocket for about 20 minutes because you're not, not going to need it right now. We just should be honest with one another. Sometimes things interferes with our fellowship. Ladies, do I have a witness? See, men won't say nothing. They, they're cowards. Amen. I knew who to ask. Hallelujah. The adversary that interferes with fellowship. He said, I want you to have fellowship with us because our fellowship is with the Father. But there's one thing we need to tell you, that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If you walk in darkness and not in the light, you can't walk with God. What's the adversary that interferes with fellowship? A, is disobedience. God wants fellowship. God designed for fellowship. God desires fellowship. But there's one thing that causes problems. That's disobedience. Genesis 3, 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves. Why? Because they were disobedient. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. What happened? Their fellowship was interfered with. Isaiah 59, 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Psalm 66, 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. I want to be right with God. You can't do it with sin in your life. You can't do it living whatever way you want to live out here. Throw your Sunday morning suit and face on and come through that door and act like everything's okay. Now, you may fool me. You may fool everybody else. You ain't going to fool him. By the way, the hotter it gets from behind this pulpit, the the less you'll be able to do that. Because you're doing that in your own ability in your own power, and sooner or later, you're going to wear out. Amen. Is Savannah okay? I just seen her. Is everything okay? Okay, all right. Amen. Had a a three-wheeler accident, four-wheeler accident. Everything's okay. Say amen. Having to think about it because I'd forget if I didn't right then. Amen. Now, what interferes with fellowship? What I say? Now, here's, here's a critical, here's a critical thing that we need to remember. Not only disobedience, not only disobedience, but this is the worst part. This is what most people have. Look what it says in verse number uh, 
Uh, eight. Eight. Are you there? Verse number eight. When you get there, say amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Watch this. Verse six. If we say, y'all see those two words? If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. You know what that's saying? That's saying this. That's saying this. One of the biggest problems with fellowship is not just disobedience, it's denial. And I'm not talking about no river in Egypt. I don't have no problem. I don't have no problem. That just tickles me. That just tickles me. Then why are you sitting in my office? I don't have no problem. Apparently. Ain't nothing wrong with me. It's her problem. Well, buddy, I don't know if you know this or not, but you may not know this, but if it's her problem, it's your problem too. It may take you a while to figure that out, but I promise you, you got a problem. You know why? It's not hard getting people saved. That's not the hard part. The hard part is getting people lost. Because people don't think they have a problem. It ain't my problem. It's everybody else's problem. Mm. I knew it shouting to cease to exist right there. Watch this. Proverbs 28, 13. Proverbs 28, 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. Say that with me. Watch what David said. David sinned with Bathsheba. Everybody knows this. David sinned with Bathsheba, committed adultery with Bathsheba. They, she got pregnant. The Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. Tried to hide it, bring Uriah back, hit her husband. God wouldn't let, sometimes God's just going to make you face what you've done. God would not let Uriah go to the house, and, and so David had him killed. So he has now lusted, he's committed adultery, he has committed murder, he's hiding and thinking everything's going to be all right. One of the saddest things about denial is you really think you're going to get away with it. Well, then one day, one day the preacher comes. Preachers are always meddling. The preacher comes. His name was Nathan. Nathan, preacher. He said, David, you ain't going to believe this. There was a man who had one sheep, one lamb. It was precious to the family. The only one he had, he was poor. Raised that thing up. It was, like a, it, was, it was just like a member of the family. It was just like a member of the family. And, and there was this another man who had all kind of sheep. Had all kind of lamb. And he had a guest come to his house. Instead of taking one of his, he went to that man who only had one. Who he loved and cherished and took that lamb to feed his guest. David became enraged. That man will pay. He'll pay, he'll pay, he'll pay. I believe it was fourfold. Nathan looked at him and said, David, thou. What, 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 what point are you trying to make, preacher? It's amazing how judgmental we can be against people. 
and be so blind to our own sin. But watch what David said. Watch what David said. David tried to hide this. Some say, some, some scholars say over a year, some around a year. Watch what David said about that sin when I kept silence. In other words, when I tried to hide it, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For the day and night thy hand was heavy upon me, my moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Sounds like some Christians I know. Come to church and just don't get nothing out of it. Don't enjoy it anymore. Same preaching. Same spirit. God hadn't changed. The worship service hadn't changed. The message sure hadn't changed. But they had changed. What did he lose? He lost his health. He lost his family. His integrity. His character. But more, listen, than anything, he lost his joy. What did he say in his prayer of repentance? Lord, restore unto me the only reason he had to restore it because it was gone I don't like it anymore well maybe you need to find some carpet up here and dig your nose as deep in it as you can and tell God about it you think you are who you think you are I don't think I'm anything because I'm preaching to me just as much as I'm preaching to anybody if I've lost my joy if I've lost that in my life if I've lost my Christian joy God didn't take it away from me on purpose. He didn't take it away just because he wanted to, just because he thought I needed it. Something happened. The adversary to fellowship. The adversary that interferes. Say that with me. The. Say it again. The. But then I want you to see the advocate that intervenes. It said, write these things, little children. If any man sin, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. Then it says this. He is the propitiation for our sin. Now, if you read the Webster's Dictionary of that word, it won't give you a clear understanding of that word. Because it's going to make you think there's a God up in heaven who's mad at everybody. And, and he just puts up with us because of Jesus. But that's not so because it says God so loved the world. That's not the definition of propitiation. Let me, let me, let me give you two things. Two, two offices or job descriptions of the Lord that we find in this chapter. Uh, the word propitiation, it does not mean the appeasing of an angry God. Rather, rather, it means the satisfying of God's holy law. What's that mean? We done read that in Him is no darkness at all. God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. So if there is sin, sin had to be dealt with. Because you cannot come into the presence of purity and holiness and righteousness with sin. So in order for that fellowship to be restored, that sin had to be dealt with because God is just and righteous. 
And he cannot overlook sin. He cannot just sweep it under the carpet. He cannot just ignore it. Why? Because he's righteous, holy, and just. So instead of making us pay for it, he sent his son to pay for it. And to satisfy God's holy law, God is light. God is light, and therefore he cannot close his eyes to sin, but God is love, so he wants to save the sinner. How then, how then can a holy God uphold his own justice and still forgive sinners? How can he still be right? How can he still be righteous? And how can he do this by forgiving sinners? The answer is in the sacrifice of Christ at the cross. God in his holiness judged sin. God in his love offers Jesus to the world as a savior. God was just in that he punished sin, but he's also loving in that he offers free forgiveness through what Jesus did at Calvary. Preacher, what about this do we need to know? A, the propitiation, the word propitiation has to do with his relationship to the sinner. Because it says this in verse number 2. And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. As the propitiation, he took care of my sin. And he can, listen, take care of every sin of every human being that ever lived. Isn't that what the Bible says? He's a propitiation for our sin. He is the satisfying of God's holy law. He paid it His life for mine. That song said it best. He lived and died and lived and completed and fulfilled the law of God and died and God is just now by giving us not our righteousness but His. But this is the good part. As the propitiation that has to do with His relationship to sinners, to redeem them. But as the advocate that has to do with his relationship to the saints to represent them. What do you mean? God is not everybody's advocate. (laughs) He's not everybody's advocate. He's everybody's propitiation. But he's not everybody's advocate. I went to court the other day y'all know how I feel about that situation nervous I run into a roadblock this morning terrified oh Jesus please don't let nothing be wrong with me or the truck I mean them people scare me I need a witness I'm in the courtroom and I'm sitting there I'm sitting there names are being called out I mean this place is full of people I'm sitting there and nervous I'm not even in trouble But I'm just terrified. Oh, Lord, don't let him call my name. I know they're not going to call my name, but I'm afraid he's going to call my name. And and, and, and I'm sitting there, and and they're calling names. And and, 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 and when when, when the name of the person being called, the person would come and stand before the judge if they didn't have any sense. But if they had any sense, when their name was called, somebody with a suit stood up and a briefcase in his hand. and comes and says, My name is Perry Mason. My brother is Ben Matlock. 
I represent, I'm with the firm, Matlock Mason. And I represent the name you just called. They say he who represents himself has a fool for a client. And if, oh, hallelujah, I'm feeling God right there. Now I'm telling you. If you stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ all by yourself, you have a fool for a client. But if you are saved, when the prosecuting attorney, the devil, the adversary, listen, when he stands and says what you've done, he has a list of your sins. He has a list of your transgressions. He has a list of your iniquities. When he calls your name and you're born again and you're saved and you've got, oh, hallelujah, Jesus stands up and says, I represent him. I will take his case. I will stand in his place. Hallelujah. What does that mean? He's our great high priest who has represented me. He died to redeem me, but now he's living to represent me. He stands by the throne in heaven every day of the week, every hour of the day. And when Satan comes accusing me, he stands up for me. He stands up on my behalf. And when I get weak and I get frail and I need a little help, I need somebody to help me live my life and live without sin, he comes and he intercedes on my behalf. He says, Malcolm's getting weak. Father, Malcolm's getting weak. You need to touch him. You need to give him a little more grace. And when I don't even know what to pray for, the Holy Spirit comes and groans with, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Got a man on the inside. He's representing me. Hallelujah. I want... Hmm. And if I got somebody representing me, I want somebody with some credentials. Jesus said, I am he that liveth and was dead. And I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and of hell. I'm the first and the last. I'm the beginning and the end. I am Alpha and I am Omega. Hallelujah. He's got some pretty good credentials. He can get the job done. Now listen, you can live right. You can live right. I've heard people, now let me, let me, let me. We're going to have to move off of shouting ground and get on crying ground just a minute. Because I'm sick and tired of hearing Christians say, well, we're just going to, we're, nobody's perfect. We're just going to sin. So it just ain't no sense in worrying about it. Well, we're, we're going to sin. So, you know, no, it, 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 no, huh? No. This eternal security thing has spoiled a lot of Baptists. You're preaching heresy. No, I'm not. I believe in eternal security. I believe once saved, always saved. I believe when you get saved, the Holy Spirit seals you until the day of redemption. But some people let that make them think they got a free pass when it comes to sin. And we make this joke, we make this joke, Now I've said it too in, in ignorance and stupidity. Oh, it's better just to go ahead and do it and ask forgiveness and there's permission. That's stupid. If you really practice that and you really think that, well, I'll just ask God to forgive me. I'll just ask God to forgive me. That brings us to number three. Now, I'm fixing to preach, and you ain't got to shout. I don't really care because you shout enough for to help me with this. I'm going to just preach right on through it. Now, whether you like it or not, I'm not really... Listen, you got to hear what I'm fixing to say. But some of y'all are living in defeat. 
you're not living in joy, you don't have the joy of the Lord in your heart, and you're wondering why you're not having victory, it's because you have a misinterpretation of what the Bible says because of what some idiot has told you. It says if we do sin, if we confess our sin, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We saw, we saw, what was number one? Tell me, Brother Donnie, what was number one? The adversary that interferes with fellowship. Then number two, we have the advocate that intercedes for fellowship. But number three, we see the antidote that intercepts. It intercepts that sin. It intercepts that excuse me, that adversary that comes and tries to interfere with our fellowship. Now watch this. This is where we, we really drop the ball. It's where we're really messing up. Some people have the idea, Brother O'Neill, that confession is saying, I did it. If I just tell God, I did it, God knows you did it. He knows you did it. It's not about saying, I did it. That's not what it means. Are y'all with me? Listen, the antidote for what's keeping us from having the joy of the Lord, the antidote that's keeping us from having fellowship one with another and with the Lord is a real confession. Look, it says this. In verse number 8, or excuse me, verse number 9, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confession is not praying a lovely prayer or making pious excuses or trying to impress God and other Christians. Now watch this. True confession is naming sin, calling it by name what God calls it, envy, hatred, lust, deceit, or whatever it may be. Confession simply means being honest with ourselves and with God, and if others are involved, being honest with them too, it's more than admitting sin, it's judging sin and facing it squarely. I read an illustration. A young man came to a counselor in a revival service. And he said, I'm a Christian, but I've been in sin, and I need to make things right. He said, well, let's pray about that. Let's get on our hands and knees, and we'll pray to God. God will meet this need. The young man got down on his knees with a counselor. And the young man said, Oh, Father, if we have done anything. The counselor said, wait a minute. Don't drag me into this. He said, these two words I'm concerned about. If and we. He said, what do you mean? Confession is not, Lord, if I have done anything that you're not happy with. That's not a confession. You know you did something he's not happy with. You need to tell him what that is. Hello? Y'all allowed to shout up here too? Go ahead and help me. God, I lied. God, I lusted. God, I was angry and bitter. That's confession. Let me read David. We talked about him hiding it, but watch what he did to make it right. Psalms 51.1 is his confession. He said, have mercy upon me, O God. According to the love and kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Can you feel brokenness in this? 
Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned. I have done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shaven in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the... And in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with the hyssop that I shall be clean. Watch me and I shall be whiter than snow. Here's the deal. And this is what really helped me understand this. This is what really... The Bible says that God desires a broken and contrite heart. If you say, well, I'm just going to do it and ask forgiveness, your heart's not broken. I'm going to do it even though I know God don't want me to. You don't feel the same way about it. Your heart is not broken about it. When David was confronted with his sin, his heart broke in a million pieces. He said, I've disobeyed God. I've dishonored God. I have, I have grieved the God that saved me and put me where I am. And his heart was broken for his sin. It's not saying I did it. I did it. Saying, God, I feel... And if you look up the word confess, there's two words. Homo, which means same, and logos, which means word. Where we get the word confess there in that chapter, which means say the same word. Do you feel about that sin like God felt about it? Then God will forgive it. Not, okay, Lord, I did it again, and then go about my merry way and think that me and God's okay. How many times we lived for years and without fellowship with God? We've learned to play the role. We've learned to put on the front. We've learned to put on the mask. We've learned to come to church and say the right prayers and say the right words, and we're not a hundred miles from God because we're still living in a sin that we never confessed and were broken about and made it right with God. Yeah, I'm preaching. Listen. God feel about sin when's the last time you read about Calvary that's how God feels about sin now when's the last time we felt that way about what we've done when we come to God broken and ask him for, now look I don't want nobody to think well he just, he just I've, I'm broken inside because I see how many times that I have not done that and wonder why everything ain't what it needs to be. Wonder why I haven't been feeling God like I wanted to feel Him. Because I hadn't been honest with myself. You know, the Bible says that we make Him a liar. First, we lie to others about our sin. Then we lie to ourselves about our sin. And it happened with David. And I know I'm going a little long today, but if you'll get this, oh, my stars, it will help us. And I can't believe I said, oh, my stars. But David got to the point, David got to the point, even when what, was, what had been said right in front of him, he still could not see his own sin. You lie to yourself enough, you'll start believing it. Ask any coon hunter alive. I tell you, this dog, he'll treat every coon in the county. The only thing keep this dog from treating the coon is me to keep him on this leash. I got to tie, and I got to tape up one nostril just to make it fair for everybody else. And lie like a dog. 
They've lied to themselves so much they could pass a polygraph test. Say amen. Mark, don't be crouching down back there. I see you sliding down in the seat. Am I right, Mark? Am I right? Dogs. No, this dog ain't got an ill hair on him coming back bloody as a hog. No, he wouldn't fight nothing. He'll it, like a razor blade. When the preacher gets up and preaches, and the Holy Spirit tugs your heart, I ain't got no problem. Denial. But you know what will change our life and bring victory and excitement and God's favor? We'll quit denying and start applying. Just come to this altar and say, God, you're right. You're right. You say, well, how will I know if there's anything there? Ask him. He's been telling you a long time. You just ain't been listening. Then last of all, last of all, <laughs> this is a good one. Mercy. Spence, the Bible says, the Bible says, if we confess our sin, there is confession for forgiveness. But then it says, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to. So why is that necessary? You know, Spence, after we're saved and we do something wrong, we kind of feel lousy about it, don't we? We don't want to face anybody because we're afraid. Now, I'm, I'm, I say we, me. Somebody may know what I've done. Somebody may know how I acted in that deal. Somebody may know what I said. So I'm, I don't even think I can pray. I don't even think God, I don't even think, y'all with me? Anybody feel that? I got, I got good news for you. That cleansing is not for forgiveness. Because that was from before. He said he is faithful and just to forgive us. That's different than to cleanse us. Stay with me. Stay with me. She's all right. She can handle that little fella. Stay with me. He forgives us with confession. But then the cleansing is for freedom. Say, what does that mean? Let me read a verse. Now we're done. We're going to pray. Get free. Hebrews 9.14. How much more shall the blood of Christ... I'm jumping up and down inside. I know you can't tell, but I am. Who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God... Now watch this. Purge your... You know what keeps a whole lot of people from serving God? Their own conscience. Brother Trivet. When you come to God and you say, God, I did it in a right spirit and a right heart and I'm broken about it. He says, hallelujah, amen, I'll take that away. And I not only take that away, but I'm going to take that guilt away and that shame away and everything. I'm going to purge your conscience so you can go ahead and serve me with freedom. They say, what are you saying? I don't care if you've been a crack addict, drug addict. I don't care if you've been a, a walker on the street. I don't care if you've been a thief, a rapist. If you come to God and God saves you and forgives you, he'll take all that away. Not, oh, hallelujah. So you can come in here and sing Amazing Grace with the one who ain't never, ever done nothing like that, yet they had to have grace too. Why do you think it's so exciting that God will save you and then take that away? 
So that feeling of freshness and, 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 oh, hallelujah, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for washing that away. Thank you that I can get up and sing and I can get up and preach. Not because I deserve it. Not because I'm a goody person. No, sir, I know me. I know how sorry I am. But there was an advocate in heaven that came by my way and he saved me and he washed it all away. Now I can tell you, he saved. Hallelujah. You don't have to walk around in guilt. You don't have to walk around in shame. You say, you don't know my life. You don't know what happened to me. I don't care what it is. Death, divorce, destruction, it don't matter what it is. He washed it all away. You can come and worship Him in freedom. Amen. Church, say amen. Some of y'all, as they're getting ready for a song, some of y'all need to come and get some of that. You're walking around in defeat. You're walking around wondering why you don't have the joy of the Lord. You need to find a place in this altar and give it to Him. You, listen, if, if you're not tired of carrying it by now, you never will be. Come, cast thy burden upon the Lord, and He shall sustain thee. It says, casting all your cares upon Him, for He careth for you. As every head's bowed and every eye closed, I wonder how many Christians... How many Christians will find this carpet right down here? How many Christians will find this altar and just get honest with God maybe for the first time in your life? Just get honest with Him. When He tells you something that's there, confess that to Him. Confess that to Him and forsake that in your life. Give your problem, give your sin.